Welcome to the first ever episode of the Chalk Talk podcast. I'm your co-host, Ryan McNeil, and I'll be joined by Darren Duvall. The two of us will talk every week with coaches in college and the pros about their sport, into recruiting, about everything that a young coach or even a young player might want to learn about. We're kicking this off with Texas State coach Patrick Doherty. Some great stuff on COVID, social media, learning from Dana Holgerson, and why football in Texas is a whole different thing. Hope you enjoy it. I was kind of going back to COVID-19, and you kind of talked about that a little bit in the beginning. And I just wanted to kind of get your understanding of how it affected spring ball and how you kind of, you know, dealt with it from March to April to even now. I, you know, I, I kind of remember it like it was yesterday, believe it or not. It feels like we've been in this for over two or three years. But uh, we, we got through five practices. And, you know, for us, selfishly, you know, we were rolling. Um, we, we had uh, Coach Fab took over calling the offense again. And, you know, that's how he really made his money as an offensive coordinator. Um, we had some players that we added to the roster that we felt were in a really good spot. And the team, the team overall is rolling. You know, special teams are great. Defense has always been very good here at Texas State. Um, and then offensively, we felt like we had put in enough of our offense in five practices to be, like, ready to go. But we still weren't there yet, you know. And, and Coach Fab said at the end of practice five, well, guys, you know, what's going on across the country? Because this is right when COVID started to really hit America. It's like, this could be our last practice. I don't know. And then that next day, it's like, hey, the country shut down. So we, we were done. Spring ball was over. You know, there were rumors that we could get those practices back. And, but then it got into to March. And, and honestly, I think it was probably like a week, maybe a week or two, where like everybody was like, what do we do? And I think I got through probably three movie series. You know, maybe it was like the, the, the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe and the Harry Potter series or Lord of the Rings, whatever it is. Sometimes any, any movie that was like a sequel, prequel, I got through that with um, a few of my roommates who, you know, we all kind of work in the football office here. And then it turned into like, all right, we're still alive. Uh, there's no toilet paper in the, you know, the, the, the uh, grocery stores, but I think we can make it. So then we slowly started to filter in the office and we just started working on projects, whether it was film breakdowns, uh, working on playbook stuff, uh, film studies. And it was like one of those things like nobody was still coming in the office. We were meeting on Zoom. But I live close enough to the office where it's like, if I'm not in the office, I'm not going to be working on anything. And I was tired of watching movies and just sitting on a couch all day. So I'd come in and, and work on something. Uh, and then slowly as we started to figure out that, yeah, this isn't a joke. You know, we don't want to take this lightly, but if you wash your hands and you cover your mouth, you don't cough on someone, you don't let someone cough on you, you should be okay. So went to the normal, like, you know, the hygiene that everyone, you know, talks about, like, you know, as you raise your kids, hey, you make sure you wash your hands. Uh, we did that. And, you know, a few more guys would filter in the office. We would still have the staff meetings on Zoom. And then it turned into the, the whole guessing game of, all right, what's next? You know, is this going to go away in two weeks? You know, I remember when, you know, uh, President Trump was talking about it, like, all right, we're, we're going to close down for two weeks. All right, let's push back another two weeks. And then on Easter, where everything's going to be good. 
we're going to celebrate. It's going to be a huge celebration. And then I was like, okay, well, we got to push it back even further. And you keep pushing it back. And then we started to hear, well, we think we're going to get it back at this time. And here's, here's eight different plans. You know, the Sun Belt's doing this. Big 12's doing this. Everybody had their plans. And then it finally turned into, okay, we're going to have to push things back for quite a while. So here's the idea. And it wasn't really plans. It was more like, this is the idea. This is the hope. And now we've gotten to the point where uh, we were able to bring back 60 players and they can do voluntary workouts and only the strength staff is allowed to actually have contact with them and they can put them through workouts. And that lasted for about two weeks. And now we're moving on to like, if you will, we'll call it phase two and you can bring in a few more players. Um, but we can't have really the full team here and we can't have uh, coaches really um, doing any in-person meetings or on the field activities until July 6th. And that's really our next date. Um, but now you're starting to see teams are getting players and, and staff members that have tested positive. And, you know, it's, it, the weird thing is this is – nobody knows really what's going on. I mean, you talk to a doctor about it, and someone's going to be affected by it differently. You know, God forbid any of us have it, but odds are we either have had it or we have it right now and we're probably asymptomatic. And we're starting to see that, you know, we, have, we actually have had some players tested. Um, and if they're positive, you know, they're in quarantine. And, and it's, you know, a 10-day period, 14-day period, whatever it is. But I know we had had a player that tested positive before anybody came back. And he was like, yeah, I just feel really tired. I'm, I'm just, I'm really tired. And he was for about a week in, week and a half, he was really tired and he was fine. Um, you know, and you're hearing some people test positive and they're completely asymptomatic and it's like, well, what's wrong with me? I, you know, I don't get it. So we're, we're, we're sorting through this still unknown period and we have an idea of what we want to do, but if everybody gets sick, we can't really get there. You know, um, I, I, I was on the, the West Virginia staff under coach Holgerson and, you know, he's down at Houston now and, and I still stay in touch with a lot of those guys and, um, you know, got some connections with some of the players at Houston just being in Texas and they had six positive cases and now they've shut down voluntary workouts. So then it's like, so how long do you wait to do that? And then when do you bring guys back? How many do you bring back? So there still isn't a complete science to this, to, to understand what do we do next? Um, how are we going to make this work? You know, you, they talk about the NBA being down in Orlando and there's gonna be like 1600 people max. And they're going to test everybody every day. And, you know, once teams get eliminated from the, the playoff, well, then families can come in for the remaining teams, but they have to get tested every day. And at a professional level, you can test people every day. You know, they've got the, the financial backing to do that. But even, you know, your Alabamas, your uh, Texases, they, they could afford it. But then you start getting into the mid-majors. You get into the FBS, the D2s, the D3s. We can't test every day. So – the plan is getting, you know, right now, if we do play, which they're saying we're going to, we'll test every Tuesday. And then you get temperature check on game day. And then if this happens, then this is the plan. If this happens, we'll do this. Um, so it, we still got to play the waiting game. We still got to kind of just let it happen and, and kind of play it by ear. So we'll see. <laughs> this is going to be an interesting year for sure, if it hasn't been already. So, so Ryan wants to, since you just brought up your old coach. Yeah, Coach, uh, coach Holgerson. 
Yeah, so at um, West Virginia, I was under Dana Holgerson. What was he like? He seems like a bit of a a joker, uh, a bit of a wild man to to work for, like a a, a class clown. Uh, class clown. He has personality. That's what I'm looking at. You know, so, and that's the way you said it. There, that there is only one Dana Holgerson. Um, I had a blast. Uh, my my three seasons, two and a half years in Morgantown, West Virginia, were awesome. It wasn't a dull moment there. Um, you know how I got there was. Um, it was a crazy story, but being under, under Dana was, was phenomenal. Um, I, I was his, uh, his GA in 2016. I was his driver. Um, you know, I, you'd take him around cause we'd have booster events. You'd have, um, any type of event I'd, you know, I'd be driving him around. Um, you know, I'd be his, I'd get his coffee every morning. And, and that was like one of those opportunities to really get to know, uh, Dana, and, and then, you know, I, I built a relationship with his son, his son, Logan, who's now uh, a quarterback at Houston. You know, I spent a weekend there uh, about a month ago, just hanging out with the two of them just to see him. Um, but it was, it was awesome. You, know, you talk about a football offensive mind, you know, that's like one of the direct descendants of, of the Mike Leach coaching tree. And uh, it, it was a blast and we had a lot of fun, you know, and, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of different ways to coach the game or, or any sport for that matter. And you hear a lot of coaches that, that really grind and grind and grind. And that wasn't the case. I've, I've really been lucky to, to work for a lot of really good coaches um, without having to like, you know, burn, burn the candle at both ends, if you will. Um, it was a lot of fun. You know, when, when we won, uh, we celebrated, you know, and, and, that, and that's how, how Coach Holgerson would be. It's like, you know, you put in so much work to win the game. Okay, so, you know, you celebrate it, have a good time, have fun with it. The, the, the sport, uh, the game is supposed to be fun. And, um, and, and really, there's only one Dana Holgerson. I'll say that. You know, so a lot of coaches fit in a certain molds. Uh, there's only one Dana Holgerson mold. You know, it, it's like um, the more excited Dana got, it's like the more the hair stuck out. You know, and that, that, that kind of adds his persona um, and I think he's one of the only people that can kind of pull off that hairstyle too. So, um, I had a blast working for him. I learned a ton, uh, and it was a lot of fun, you know, so that, that I, I, I was lucky, you know, it wasn't like, uh, well, we were a really good football team and learned a lot, but it was miserable that, you know, that that's definitely not the case. I had a blast in Morgantown. This is going to seem really random. Okay. My sister spent five years in Australia, loved it there married an Aussie. When I went for her wedding, we caught uh, a footy match. I didn't know that they play American football in Australia. Yep. What was it like for you going to Australia and coaching American football? Well, so I mentioned that my story getting into Morgantown was kind of crazy. Um, I never actually made it over to Australia. So the way it worked out, I'd been at Butler University uh, 2012, through the 2015 season. And I was going to leave there April of 2016 was my last, you know, month at Butler. Uh, and I'm from Indiana originally. So I, I moved back home to just South of Chicago and I was planning to move over to Australia. We had it all set up, ready to go. And they kept moving back our departure date. It's kind of like a little weird, but it was also, I was fine with it because I was going to end up being 16 hours by plane away from home. So I'll take as much time at home as I could. And then August 1st of 2016, we're supposed to have a meeting with our head coach. And I'd known uh, the head coach I was going to work for since college. He had worked at my college as a, as a linebacker's coach. 
and he had been a banker before ever getting to coaching. So he, he knew the financials of the league were like rock solid, at, you know, say, hey, we're good. But they come out August 1st. And instead of saying, okay, the head coaches will talk at 6 p.m., all other coaches meet with their staffs at 7, 6.05, you hey, guys, we need to get on Skype right now. Oh. Okay. All right, guys, uh, the league just folded. Hey, what? what? Okay. And he's like, well, we're going to figure out, you know, maybe we'll get pushed back to October. You said the league folded. Yeah, well, they're, they're saying this. And then, and then, you know, we'll still probably get paid for August. Okay. And then a day later, yeah, no, they voided our contracts. We're, we're SOL. So I'm volunteering at my high school that next week. And I get a text from a friend of mine, a high school friend, family friend. He had played at my high school, was coaching down in Lafayette, Indiana at a, at a high school. And I had recruited that high school because the head coach there was roommates and best friends with my defensive coordinator in college and then when I was at Butler that was my recruiting area and uh, I get the text and it says hey I'm sure you're enjoying the weather in Australia but West Virginia needs a GA ASAP and, and I go well the funny thing is I'm out of a job so I'm interested and then the next day I drive out to, to Morgantown and my interview you know this is already a week in the spring or uh, fall camp and so I watched practice that was my interview I watched practice and I'm driving up to Pittsburgh because I've got, uh, you know, family friends that, that work at Pitt, that coach at Pitt. Uh, I stayed at their house that night. Um, was going to get up real early the next morning, drive back to Indiana, waiting to hear from West Virginia. Um, ended up sleeping in a little bit, uh, spent some time with them that next day. And then I drove back and I'm about halfway across Ohio. I get the call and, and the, the DFO uh, at West Virginia goes, hey, the, you know, the job is, is yours if you want us. Well, yeah, I'm in. So I went home. I was home for about an hour, uh, packing up, went to sleep, got up the next morning, and then I was in Morgantown. So, um, you know, I, I, I didn't really have any experience over in Australia. I'd, I'd still love to go visit that country. Uh, to be honest with you, yeah, I, I'm glad it didn't work out because I, I, there's no way I'd be where I'm at today. I might be wifed up in Australia to some surfer girl over there. <laughs> Uh, but I'm glad, I'm glad to be where I'm at. And, and, you know, we actually, we, we brought in an Australian punter, uh, here at Texas state and I've, I've built a really good relationship with him. So whenever he goes back home, I'm going to have to hop in the suitcase and take a look at <laughs> hike over there. You mentioned Indiana. So you, you grew up, your dad was inducted into the Indiana football hall of fame in 2014, yep. your Butler connections. Now you're in Texas, where football is a whole different thing. Yeah. Daryl's from Dallas. He can relate yeah, to this. Yeah. Yeah. What are some of the big differences between football where you grew up and played in college and now where you're coaching? So growing up in Indiana, you know, I would compare basketball. Similar. It's not quite Texas football. That That's still its own uh, beast there. But <laughs> – yeah. uh, until Peyton Manning really got the Colts going, high school football in Indiana really wasn't any good. Uh, and, and, you know, when I was playing in high school, that's kind of when it started to tilt. And, and you've seen some um, – a lot of kids come out of Indiana get some, you know, big D1 exposure. Uh, you know, the, the conference in Indianapolis is, I'd say, is one of the better conferences in the Midwest. 
Yeah. Um, you know, I'd say, you know, Ohio still a better recruited area, definitely Chicagoland. Um, but it's gotten better. Now, the setup down here in Texas, it's, you know, Friday Night Lights, it is a real thing. And what the Texas High School Coaches Association in general, not just with football, but as a whole for all high school athletics is unbelievable. It's second to none, you know. Yeah. I know California is a big state and Florida is a big state, but uh, from what I've been told and the people I've talked to, there isn't anything like it. You know, I've got, I got my first experience with coaches school down here last summer um, with the Texas High School Coaches Association. And whether you're a high school coach, a middle school coach, a college coach, you have to go to coaches school. And it was basically a mini- I love that. It's, it's yeah. awesome. And, and what they did, you know, it, it's, I don't even want to say it's a mini, it's like a, it's called a half-sized uh, AFCA convention. Yeah. You know, it, it was, it is something else, you know, and, and you know, there out of state people will look at a, a, a Texas high school stadium that looks bigger than most uh, FCS, even some FBS stadiums. And they'll say, well, that, that's a waste of taxpayer money. Uh, I wouldn't say that down here in Texas. No, that's uh, and then then you you see a lot of those stadiums anyways are are split between a whole um, school district, which is that's a that's a whole other crazy thing too. And then they're used for so many other things throughout the year just because the weather. Yeah, that's another different story, isn't it? Oh my goodness, the the Texas (laughs) high school football. You know, and it's crazy. A lot of kids, um, they almost end up getting a better experience and in in right. some of the colleges they go to you know right. that, that's just that's just the nature of the beast down here and it, it's it's something else i i've i've never seen something quite like this i mean it truly is you know you've got um like i said florida california they get a lot of great players coming out there and and, and everybody will tell you i think it was uh I think it was tony dungy when the, the the boys of fall came out he said how like no matter how far football takes you, um, you could be a Super Bowl champion. There's still nothing quite like Friday Night Lights. And I'd agree with them. You know, I'll never forget my experience playing uh, high school ball in Indiana. And, and you know, I was a backup quarterback. You know, I wasn't any good. And I'll never forget my, you know, my senior year. But you add in the Texas, you know, high school football Friday Night Lights, it's, 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 it's a little different. Yeah, it's it's totally it, it's something on its own, man. It is, yeah. you know. And I'm I'm in Dallas, and you got Frisco who uses the Cowboys Center. Uh, you got Highland Park. You got, I mean, Prosper has a new facility out there. Uh, I mean, I I have a house in Capel. Capel has one. I mean, the taxpayer, as we are, we pay money, and when you when you build, they will come. They will come. No I mean, and you got Austin uh, down there where you are, Westlake. I mean, dang. I mean, it, it's like high school football is much better than I hate to say it. They make y'all look bad, you know. Well, you know what? They're, they're, I'll, I'll tell you this. We, we, um, we're about to renovate some of our facilities. And our stadium is very nice. Uh, that's, that is in, in their high schools that come and play here. There's some playoff games that were played here when we had a, a road game. Um, but there's some high school weight rooms that are, it, you'd think that that was like the Cowboys facility. You know, even the star in Frisco, when we, we uh, 2017, I was at West Virginia and we played in the heart of Dallas Bowl. Oh, you and did? We okay. practiced at the star 
And that was like, you know, we, we had played it in DKR earlier that season, and our guys are walking around the star looking around like, oh, my God. <laughs> they, were, they were starstruck, you know, no pun intended. And it, it's – and high school kids play there all the time, and it's almost like, okay, that's awesome. Then you go to a, F, a small a mid-major FBS, FCS, D2, D3 facility, and you're like, Damn. Yep. I played at a better facility in high school. And, and then, you, you know, you mentioned Highland Park. That's, we practiced most of that week at Highland Park High School. Um, you know, you mentioned Coppell, one of my best friends at, at uh, West Virginia. He had played at Coppell. And then his brother played at Coppell and then played at Texas. And he's now playing for the Cowboys. So, you know, I've been around that whole area. And, and you know, there, there's, there, there's definitely something about Lone Star pride. And then you add in the football side of it. And, you know, he would talk about Texas and you're kind of like, Okay, yeah, all right. And he wasn't joking. It wasn't just so, Texas pride. It was the truth. Also, I wanted to kind of kind of change over. How do you deal with social media with uh, with athletes? I'm just kind of curious. It's, uh, it's interesting. That's a great question because I think it, it's like it's almost like there's a fine line because there's so many rules. You can't, you know, you can like a kid's post now. Two years ago, you couldn't do that. You know, two years ago, you couldn't text a, a recruit. Now you can. They've changed the rules. But you could direct message a kid on Twitter, and it would pop up on your phone like a text. Um, you know, there are some places, you, you know, you can't do this, but you can do that. And it's almost like you're doing the same thing. Um, it's a great tool now for recruiting um, because, you know, if you can't call a kid, most kids these days anyways, all they want to do is text. It's almost like you don't know how to talk on the phone, which – you've really asked me, I think that's, that's definitely a problem, but you're still keeping a line of communication open. And then you can see like if a kid's not only if he's interested, but is he interested because he wants to play football or I think there's a, a small trend popping up where kids are more interested in just the recruiting process. They want to get the graphics and they want to get the love and the likes and the retweets rather than actually get recruited to go to school and play football. So you can, you can use that tool to see, you know, what if I can't talk to this kid on the phone, how is he acting on social media? Um, that I think that becomes a really good tool to, to really get a better feel for, for this recruit. And, and it keeps the line of communication open because nowadays if you're not recruiting a, a, a kid on social media, you're already out of the game. Right. And you know, film is so much easier to, to, to see on, on Twitter. You know, he could he could post a video of a, of a workout, and now you know because you're not you're not allowed to go watch a workout um, in the recruiting periods, but if he posts it, you see it, you know, and and that gives you a better look at what his skills are because at a certain point, looking at high school tape, if you don't know the level of play, you know anybody can look like they're an all American, you know how do you judge the level of play, especially if you're not familiar with the recruiting area. But if it's like a workout, you can see a little bit better twitch, uh, better quality of film that, to get a look at, you know, how is he high pointing the football as a receiver? How, how quickly does he get off the line? You know, can he beat a press coverage? You know, there's only, you know, when kids post a highlight, it's their best plays regardless of who they're playing. So you can't really tell, well, did he get jammed up by a, a recruited cornerback? You know, those things. So you can see all that. It's another uh, channel of communication, which is huge because, if you have the opportunity to, to get to know someone, you got to take it. Right. right. And, and so, and you kind of transition, what advice do you have 
for potential student athletes in regards to recruiting, especially during this time right now where they can't, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen. I'm sorry. You talk about social media. What would you say to the kids who are, who want to go to Texas state or basically wherever? So. Uh, I'd say the biggest thing, and we run into problems with this is make sure your social media account is accessible. And what I mean by that is like, you're seeing a lot of kids, you know, everybody, everyone's got a nickname, right? But if it's something so off the wall, you know, I don't know who you are. And, and then you know, you're seeing people that will put like a, a nickname and a bunch of emojis, like just, you know, put your name. I've seen some recruits will put their name and then maybe like 2021. So we know, okay, so that, that this is the name I'm looking for, oh, 2021. And then in your profile, put what high school you're at, what state, what position, what, what grad year. As much as you can make yourself marketable in that sense, that makes it easier to open up that channel of communication. And then make sure your most up-to-date film is on there. I know there, there's some situations where a high school coach is harder to work with because he doesn't understand how to use huddle. And if the kid doesn't know how to make a highlight or do it the right way, that, you know, that, that's a whole other conversation. But have your most up-to-date film on there. And then the other thing is watch what you post. Whether it is like a, you can figure out that this recruit is just in it to get recruited or if they're posting content that just you don't – nobody would want to post. And we even say that, you know, if we have a player here at, at Texas State that posts something or retweets or likes something that's kind of questionable, you know, our director of player personnel – or player development rather will shoot them a text and say, Hey, uh, you know, watch what you're posting. I'm like, Oh, what do you mean? You know what I mean? I, I know what you just posted an hour ago and then <laughs> this tweet is deleted. Right. You no. Know, and that's going to happen, you know, and, and that happens with everybody using social media. I think everybody needs to be told regardless of sports or not. Hey, uh, watch what you post because once that's out there, that that's out there. Um, that's definitely a huge, um, that's huge advice because you'll see, um, you know, whether you're seeing athletes will post stuff right now, or, or let's say years ago when they were just a 14 year old high school kid and it was their dumb high school kid. They don't even know, they don't know better. You know, I'm on social media. I'm just going to tweet, like retweet. And then you look back and now they're a first round draft pick. Oh, well, seven years ago, or however many years ago, uh, so-and-so posted this. That's a bad look. You know, they, okay, they were a 14-year-old kid. Uh, shouldn't have done that. They did. But, you know, once it's out there, it's out there. And, and then, you know, you don't ever want to get to the point where if you've posted something, uh, it starts to show up as this tweet is deleted. Well, what'd you post? What are you hiding? <laughs> it right. could be something, I mean, I mean, honestly, it could be, it could wow. be harmless. You might have misspelled something and, and then you can't go back and edit it. So you got to delete it. And then it's like, well, what'd you post? Uh, uh, well, I, I just misspelled something. Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. You know, you don't want to put that, that, that doubt out there that you've done something that you shouldn't be doing. So I'm going to kind of let Ryan finish it off. Coach, you're talking, I think before we came on the air here about your big movie binge. I mean, that was during the, the COVID answer. Yeah, yeah. When she came back to the office, you've talked about learning the craft of special teams. How invaluable has this time been 
in the office without students and just with your peers for you to learn and grow as a coach going over game tape picking the brains of coworkers. just how has this time been for you growing and learning as a coach it's been huge uh, <laughs> given me an opportunity because I, I i've been very lucky to have been working with coach spav for we're going on year four now um and and like i said he took over the offense and so he brought me back over from special teams to offense and when he's not the head coach or I'm sorry, when he's, when he's got to be the head coach um, and can't really coach the quarterbacks, I'm filling in as, as the quarterback coach. Uh, so he's going over what our personnel is. And, and Jake has done a fantastic job throughout his career at adapting his offense to his personnel. You know, everyone talks about, well, you got to be, if you're air raid, you have to be 10 personnel. And, and if you're spread, you got to do this. Well, you know, I'd say right now um, with our personnel, we're changing up a few things. And we're doing it to fit our best players. So we've gone through everything he's done. And then he brought in uh, Jacob Peeler, who had been the receiver coach with him at Cal back in 2016. And then Coach Peeler recently came from Ole Miss as a receivers coach. And so we've all kind of worked together. And I've essentially been a fly on the wall looking at what they've done and then taking what they've done. And, that, and then what we've seen from, you know, the Chiefs. Or, or the Cardinals or whoever it is, or Oklahoma. You know, we watched a ton of tape and see, okay, can we take this play or this concept or this protection? Is this going to fit us better? Is this going to make us better? And a lot of it's, you know, we can see it happening. So it's really cool to see the draw it up on the board, talk about it and visualize it. We never got to do it in spring practice. You know, there was so much stuff we wanted to install uh, the last 10 practices we never got to. So it's been huge for me to not only see it and, and understand it, but to ask the questions on the, the why do you like this concept better out of this set? Why do you like this run play against this, this front? And it, like you get your answer sheet for like, okay, if we're going up against a three-down front, we know we're going to call these run plays. If we're going up against a four-down front, we'd rather call these run plays. And, and every staff is going to do that. Every coordinator um, is going to have their answers for different looks. But it's been huge because we focused on so much of that as being our project to we need to have this offense ready to go as soon as we're allowed to, to hit the ground running. We don't know when that's going to be. So for a while, it was like work on this project and work on this project and work on this project. Now, we've done so much work, but now we are starting to get into that. Hey, we know what our identity is going to be. Now let's get the ball rolling because once we once we can hit the ground running, we want to be running. and we feel like we were in such a good spot uh, towards the end of spring ball anyways. So we're really excited to, to truly get back at it. But I, I've learned that this off season has been, you know, it, it, it's the silver lining and all the craziness that's been going on. It's not like, you know, like I said earlier, if I was at home and I wasn't in the office, I can guarantee you I would have been sitting on the couch all day or at least running around outside or something. I, I don't know. But, you know, when I'm home, I'm home. When I'm in the office, you know, that's when I'm, right. I'm getting work done. That's a wrap for this episode. If you've gotten this far, I'm hoping, I'm assuming you're a fan. So please subscribe to Chalk Talk on iTunes or Spotify. As always, thanks for listening.